Welcome to The Corporate Coven, a podcast that explores the intersection of mysticism and the modern workplace. On this show, we discuss how to bring your spiritual craft and practice into the workplace. We'll talk to people who have found ways to include ritual and spirituality into their everyday work and hear from experts on the topics of how to stay spiritually connected while managing the demands of the modern workplace. Our host, Jessica, is a certified career counselor, HR outlaw, and vocational astrologer. If you've ever wondered how to bring your spiritual practice into the workplace, this podcast is for you. Join us as we radically transform workplaces to be a little more magical. Hello, welcome to the pilot episode for the Corporate Coven podcast. I am so excited to finally be here recording it. I'm sitting here in my closet where it is dark and it is cool and it is quiet and it feels really surreal to even be here recording this podcast because it's something that I've wanted to do for a very long time and actually has been on my mind um, ever since Jupiter moved into Aries which, you know, I have Aries in my third house of communication and social media and my network. And, you know, I was making some other aspects in my chart, which seemed like this would be a very auspicious time for me to launch a podcast. Um, and so to finally be here recording it, I'm, I'm just over the moon. I'm so excited. Public speaking, writing, and just general communication is actually something that I've always been drawn to. And I really enjoy. I'm one of those weirdos that I, of course, feel nervous when I have to get up in front of people and share my ideas or do a presentation, but it actually fills me up and I get so energized that when it's over, I almost feel hyper as if I just drank an entire pot of coffee and, and everything in me is just buzzing and beaming um, and I don't feel tired afterwards. I'm actually filled with energy when I'm done doing it. And so it was no surprise to me that when I took the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment for the first time in 2008, but also when I took it again in 2015, as well as 2017, and the last time I took it in 2018, it was no surprise to me that communication was one of my top five strengths and sometimes actually sitting in my number one spot. I am that stereotypical chatty little girl who just loves engaging in conversation computer and has a lot of ideas and a lot of things that I want to share with people. And so I'm super excited to be here speaking with you all and forming this, you know, corporate coven, um, a space for people to come together and talk about shaping the future of work. And I say shaping because I do think that with the, you know, the great conjunction that happened in Capricorn with the U.S. Pluto returning Capricorn, we're seeing a massive dismantling of the current structure of the world of work. And as we start to welcome in the age of Aquarius, there is a huge opportunity for individuals to be active creators in what that looks like for us going forward. And that's a huge value of mine and something that I feel very, very passionate about. And so if this is resonating so far, I'm super excited that you're here and to go on this journey with you. And I'm super excited about what we can create together. For my pilot episode today, I'm actually going to spend time talking about strengths um, because this is something that I think is very impactful, very useful, and also very accessible, um, which is a big value of mine. You know, I want something that everyone can be able to benefit from. And so 
let's start. My first introduction to the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment and the idea of having strengths-based leadership or strengths-based, um, you know, offerings and services was in 2008. I was a freshman at university. I was studying organizational behavior and leadership. And in one of my courses, we watched Marcus Buckingham's show Trombone Player Wanted. It changed my life. I still remember how it felt sitting in the classroom watching this clip and kind of like crying during it. Um, and that's also the first time that I took the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment and got my top five strengths. And again, it was just super meaningful to me. And something that really stood out as I was in this class and I was I was watching this material and engaging with this theory of, you know, strengths is that there is this common myth that circulates, which is you should spend time developing your areas of weakness for the purpose of becoming a well-rounded individual. And high school feels like forever ago, but I still have these memories of feeling this deep anxiety of I need to be both an athlete, an academic, I need to be part of student government, I need to have hobbies, I need to have extracurriculars, because for me to have value, and for me to be seen as someone worth investing in, uh, I need to be a well rounded person, I need to be good at everything. And it was exhausting. And I really burnt myself out in this effort to become a well rounded person. And so being an 18 year old and sitting in this college class and having this idea in front of me that actually it's a waste of time to try to develop your areas of weakness. Some of the reasons were that if you're not good at it, you probably aren't going to enjoy it. People generally like doing things that they have a sense of success in. Um, not that you have to be perfect right out the gate, but when you do something that you love and that you feel passionate about, that's considered a strength, the things that light you up and give you energy. And so the more time you spend developing that, you're going to be able to see results and improvements a lot faster than if you were to work on something that you are not very good at, or especially one that drains you and doesn't fill you up. An example for me is, again, I love public speaking. And so when I was working on my public speaking skills or when I was studying communication, even though I wasn't the best at it, I enjoyed it so much and it filled me with energy and I had so much fun while I was doing it that it was easy to practice. It was easy to learn about. It was easy to engage with. And because it was easy and because it was fun, I got better and better at it really fast. Whereas math, something that I have never been very strong at and I have to work pretty hard um, to get really good at, I'm drained and I'm defeated and I'm exhausted. And so it's easy for me to procrastinate and to avoid um, getting better at that. Are you following me here? So the myth that we need to be well-rounded people, the myth that we should spend more time developing our areas of weakness as opposed to our areas of strength, it's bullshit. You know, we don't need to spend time engaging with that anymore. It's more useful and productive to spend time on our strengths. And I do want to quickly clarify the strengths are not necessarily things that you are very good at right now or immediately. Consider instead a strength is something which gives you energy and brings you joy. And that when you do spend time developing it or working with it or employing that strength, it's like time doesn't exist and you could do it all day and not feel tired. You know, in fact, you feel energized at the end of it. 
And so after my freshman year and having that exposure, I continued with my education. I graduated with a degree in psychology with a certificate in leadership. And then I took a few years off. I was working and kind of growing my human resources career. And then after two years, I decided it was time to go to grad school. And I actually studied career counseling. And so in one of my first classes, it was career specific counseling. We did the strengths finder assessment again. And of course, communication came up as a strength for me again, um, as well as some of the other ones that I got, you know, back in 2008. Again, just very affirming that this assessment was very reliable. And it was something that I started learning how to use with clients specifically in a career counseling context. So helping them use it to find career clarity, helping develop professional development plans, um, and also identifying what people wanted to study in school. You know, I was studying career counseling, but I was actually interning at another prominent university in Colorado. And that university actually had a grant where every single incoming freshman um, received an assessment code to take the Cliffs, the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment, and so it's something that I learned about in my classes. But I actually, in my internship at the Career Center at that university, I did regularly with students, with freshmen, and took the, the Strengths Finder to not only talk about career clarity but also to identify majors as pathways to their career and vocation. And so I have a lot of time. I'm not formally certified in the Clifton Strengths Finder, um, but I spent a lot of time using this. And then. I graduated from my master's program in 2017. I got an HR job after graduating and I was put in charge of facilitating a mentoring program where I implemented the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment and we talked specifically about how to use your strengths as a leader and in leadership development plans. And so it's something that I'm super passionate about. And again, I've seen it be impactful for myself, but I've used this with clients. I've used it in one-on-one -on -one, um, relationships. I've used it in group sessions. And I just can't say enough positive things about it. And again, it's because it's easy to work on areas that you feel good about, right? And that's what I want to talk about today is, is how do we continue to lean into the natural gifts that we were born with? And this is where I'm going to get a little bit witchy for you all. I am a professional astrologer and actually I've been a longtime student of astrology, but it was when I started my master's program that I also formally started studying astrology. I was no longer just an excited consumer that was constantly looking at people's charts and trying to figure it out, but I actually really dedicated myself to understanding astrology as a tool um, and as a way of working with people and developing myself. And so for me, it's really hard to separate or compartmentalize career counseling and development um, and aspects of human resources from astrology. And I've just always seen this really beautiful intersection between the two practices and its usefulness in multiple contexts. So as a vocational astrologer, I can never just do the astrology. I have all of these career development theories and job search strategies moving through my head. Similarly, as a career counselor or as a human resources professional, I can't not be an astrologer. You know, I'm constantly paying attention to the transits and the moon cycles and all of these things that are happening. And so they just go hand in hand for me. And I think that the first time that I came out really publicly and shared 
this perspective and this intersection between them was actually when I published an article on LinkedIn and I will, if I can figure out how to do it, because, you know, pilot episode, I'm new to this. If I can figure out how to do it, I will link that article into the show notes. But I published an article on LinkedIn where I actually discussed the correlation between the four domains of leadership identified from the Gallup organization who, you know, sells the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment and the four elements, earth, wind, fire, and air. I am getting a bit ahead of myself though. Let's hurry and break down the Clifton Strengths Finder for anyone who is unfamiliar with it. So similar to other personality assessments, you sit yourself down in a quiet space free of any distractions and you fully dedicate yourself to taking this assessment. And the way that you're supposed to take all assessments is to go with your gut reaction, not to overthink it, not to think about how other people might perceive you, but just to think about like what makes the most sense for me. Um, what am I really resonating with versus not. And then when you're done with it, if you do the cheaper version, it will just give you your top five strengths. Um, and if you pay a little bit more, then you can actually see all 34 strengths in rank order of what is the strongest versus what is like the least strong for you. And there are 34. So what Gallup did um, specifically for leadership development is that it categorized the 34 strengths into four domains of leadership and it gave them titles. And those are executing, strategic thinking, relationship building, and influencing. And again, when I started, well, back in 2008, when I was first exposed to this, I was not into astrology or occult practices. I was actually at the beginning of a faith transition. But in 2017, when I was uh, sorry, 15, when I was reintroduced to this, it's when I really began practicing tarot and astrology as well. And so the four domains I felt just fit really cleanly with the elements, earth, wind, fire, and air, and actually started using that and incorporating it as I was reading tarot and practicing tarot. And then 2017, that's when I started actually overlapping it with the natal chart. So some of the executing strengths, um, you know, achiever, deliberative, discipline, focus, responsibility, restorative, for example, these always felt very much connected to the earth element. And, uh, you know, when we use the earth element and tarot, for example, when we look at the suit of pentacles, these are things which are very practical. They're tangible. And in astrology, if I'm working with a vocational astrology client and we see that there are some career placements in earth signs, then it's about how are you practically working with this? You know, if you have a strong Taurus placement, for example, in your vocational astrology section of the chart, then you need to have careers that are practical. You're, you're working with your hands. You see a direct result from your labor and your effort. And you're engaging with the material and the physical world around you. And so for executing strengths, these make a lot of sense. It's hard work ethic. It's getting things done. Um, and it's, and it's uh, having this sense of responsibility like you might see in the zodiac sign of Capricorn. So then we have strategic thinking. So some of these strengths that fall under here, for example, would be futuristic, um, intellection, learner, strategic. So these are very much air signs, right? It's it's what we think about things. And in tarot, this would be the suit of swords. Um, so, you know, what do, what are our thoughts? What are 
um, not necessarily our beliefs, but what do we ideate about? What are we thinking about? What do we ruminate on? And then how do we communicate that? Or um, how do we educate other people? How do we find this shared language uh, to get this stuff done? You know, I hear futuristic and of course, we think of Aquarius. I hear learner and I think about Gemini. Um, and so you're starting to see and hear some of this correlation between these four domains of leadership as well as the elements. Relationship building. Do I even need to say it? This is the water signs. These are the cup cards in a tarot deck. Um, so some of the strengths that we see here are empathy, harmony, positivity, relator, developer, connectedness. I mean, these are the qualities when we think about the sign of cancer or Pisces. You know, these are the qualities of water where we are trying to bring things together and, you know, dissolve barriers and absorb everything into one and it's cooling and it's healing. And these are qualities of relationship building. And then lastly, we have influencing. These are communication, competition, uh, woo, which is actually my favorite strength. And it's one of my strengths. It's an acronym and it stands for winning others over. But these are the influencing strengths. These are the things that we are when we are persuasive or we have these big ideas that we're trying to inspire and get everyone um, you know, on the same page. And this is the fire element. You know, this is Aries. This is Sagittarius. Um, this is that fire, that ability to ignite and inspire. And these are the wands in a tarot deck. So for a long time, right, I was using the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment in my quote unquote corporate life. Uh, you know, I was using this formally as a human resources professional. I was using this with university students in my internship and with career coaching clients. And then I had this other part of my life where I am a tarot reader and a professional astrologer. And I am you know, specifically working on vocational astrology where I'm helping people, you know, identify the value of their midheaven and how they need to, you know, think about their chart in terms of how they generate and make money, um, what their bosses might be like and what work environments they need to thrive and, um, you know, have a positive experience at work. And I just needed to find common ground. I needed to work with clients who shared this language of both, you know, a formal, well-researched assessment that's rooted in theory and development, as well as this occult-like, mystical, just as well-researched, by the way, but not necessarily accepted in scientific communities, but still has a long-standing tradition of being an effective way of working with clients in their personal and professional development. So enter me, Jessica Munson, that witch from work, building this corporate coven. And I'm really working now to lay the groundwork for building a space for professionals to find that intersection, to create this common ground. And this is what I mean when I talk about the future of work in the age of Aquarius, where we are breaking down this belief that work needs to be compartmentalized. You know, we don't talk about spirituality or a cult or woo-woo in the workplace. And, um, you know, if you are a consulting tarot reader or astrologer, then you don't have to have professional acumen or industry experience. Like, I really want to find this beautiful intersection between the two. And so something that I'm really looking forward to offering clients now as part of my services is a reading that I like to call Strengths in the Natal Chart. 
this is where I'm going to be working with people. I'm going to be having them take the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment, and then we're going to look at their natal chart and we're going to identify the area of their chart that is gifting them these strengths and also identifying the relationship. Are these strengths intended to be used professionally in your vocation? Because the truth is that not everyone will right? But for a lot of us, we want to use our strengths. We want to leverage our strengths to explore the alignment of our life. How well aligned are our daily activities and our rituals and our careers and our relationships? How well aligned are they with our strengths, with what our natal chart is asking us to live? You know, one of my astrology mentors, she says this pretty regularly. There's what we want and then there's what we need. And our natal chart lets us know what we need. And the gifts of our natal chart, which are our strengths, will help us get a better idea of how to get our needs met. So I want to share a quick example because I want to bring this to life for you. Um, and I would encourage you, if you are someone who has taken the Clif uh, Clifton Strengths Finder assessment and you know your natal chart, do this for yourself right now. I'm going to use my own chart to give you an idea of kind of like what this looks like and what this sounds like. So one of my top strengths is achiever. And actually, there's some research around this. This is a generational mark. Um, specifically, if you are a millennial, then very likely you have achiever in your top five or your top 10 strengths. This is a lot about the rhetoric that was going around around the time that we were born. And specifically, if you are a Saturn in Capricorn person, um, as well as, you know, there was a there was a handful of time where Uranus, Neptune, and Saturn was all sitting in Capricorn. And then there's a very specific window where um, the eclipse axis was Capricorn and Cancer as well. But so I think that's why you see this as a generational signature. There's an entire group of individuals who have taken this assessment that have Achiever in their top 10 and especially their top 5. I'm one of them, but I also have a Capricorn stellium. So it's no surprise that one of my top strengths is in the executing field. But you know what's really funny is that even though I have five planets in Capricorn, it's actually the only placement. Those are the only placements I have in an earth sign. I don't have anything in Virgo. I have nothing in Taurus. And I actually have Capricorn in my 12th house, which is more of that unseen. It's hard to put boundaries around. It's very spiritual and mystical. So it makes sense that I have Achiever in my top. It's a signature of my generation. And I am part of that um, group of babies born where I have, you know, the pileup of planets in Capricorn. But it's also not my strongest domain. It's not where I have the majority of my strengths. It's there, but it's not necessarily always helpful to me. In my 12th house, um, I actually, you know, this is a house of undoing or hidden enemies or, you know, something like that. Uh, this actually strength, when I'm not conscious of it and I'm not working with it, um, then it actually can be very difficult for me because I get burnout. I have that high achiever, but, um, you know, I, I drain myself and it's hard for me to sometimes prioritize. I have two strengths in strategic thinking. I have input and learner. Now, this has always really, really resonated with me because I am an Aquarius rising. I'm an air sign rising. And so even though I don't, well, I, I have Ceres in Gemini, but I don't really have any other placements, um, in air, but my ninth house 
is an air sign. Um, and so the way that I learn, the way that I, you know, engage in my higher mind and philosophies, but especially in my rising sign in Aquarius, uh, these are really big strengths for me. And the way that I want to engage with the world is, you know, I am very curious and I want to study and I want to learn. Um, and I also like collecting ideas. You know, I like thinking about things. I have one strength in relationship building, which actually it's includer. And I see a lot of my Aquarian nature coming out in this as a relationship builder. Um, but it's very prominent for me. And I have a really clear and loud placement in Cancer in my sixth house of work and daily routine. And so this makes sense. I think how I ended up in human resources is really obvious there. Where I have the most strengths is actually in influencing. It's in the fire um, domain of leadership. And I have three of them there, which this for me was like, oh, right, right. That makes sense because my midheaven is in a fire sign aspecting my natal moon, which is in a fire sign. Um, and then all of my relationship houses in my natal chart are all the fire signs. So this is the most for me in my career and the way that I engage with other people. It is fire. It is influencing. These are the things that people notice about me and celebrate about me. And these are the areas that I like to work on. These are the things that I enjoy doing. And so when I get opportunities to develop these strengths, I could do it all day. I could lose track of time. I could probably sit in this closet all day making podcast episodes, but I can't because it sounds like my children's movie is over and I'm going to have to leave the closet soon. But you know, Again, this makes sense though, because when I looked at my needle chart, I'm like, right, I can identify all of these areas and I can see how, even though this is a strength, it doesn't always show up that way for me. And it is something that I'm good at, but when it's unchecked, when I'm not actively developing it, it becomes a challenge. Um, and then there are the other ones where this is actually in my face. I'm doing this all the time. This is very obvious. I have personal planets in these areas of my chart. And so it's no surprise to me to see these come up here. And why this is valuable and why I'm excited to offer this with clients is because you'll get the opportunity to work with this consciously. As I'm using the Clifton Strengths Finder with individuals and teams, we talk about the balcony and the basement. When strengths are in the balcony, they are matured, they have been developed, they're conscious. And so we use these as strengths. We leverage these. When they're in the basement, they are unconscious, they are raw, they are immature. And so these are the things that typically um, when we're when we're not working with it, these are things that we get criticized for doing. And I have an example, I have like the perfect example, and I'm going to keep using my communication strength, because it is my number one, it's not only my favorite strength, my favorite thing about myself, um, but it usually sits in my number one top spot. And it's something that's very obvious when you get to know me, um, or when you work with me. So when I was a kid, right, because these are things, our strengths have been our strengths our entire life. This is why I love overlaying it with the natal chart because it's not like something that you develop all of a sudden after your Saturn return. These are gifts that you were born with. So when I was a kid, I was always getting in trouble in class for talking, just talking, talking, talking. I have a lot to say. Growing up, specifically when I was going to church, I volunteered to speak 
all the time. My dream was to be in front of the entire congregation with a microphone, just talking at them, teaching them, sharing my ideas. It's something that I actively wanted to do, but I also got in trouble for it quite a bit. And one memory is really, really clear for me. And that is one of my grandparents was listening to me talk one time and he stopped me and he looked me in the eyes and he said, you are a terrible communicator. And that hurt. When you receive any criticism for something that is one of your strengths, it will wound you deeply. If someone looked at me and said, Jessica, you're not very good at math. I'm like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I know. <laughs> I'm not even hurt by it because it's true. But in that moment, him telling me that I'm not a good communicator, even though he may have had a point. Okay, even though he may have had a point that I wasn't very clear in what I was trying to convey, my messaging was confusing. It's, it's hard for me to practice my pacing because I can speak really quickly. And so sometimes it is hard for people to understand me. That doesn't mean it's a weakness, right? This is a strength of mine. So for me to receive criticism on one of my strengths, one of the things that in my heart, I deeply, deeply desired to do and to be good at and to develop it hurt. And so a lot of what your strengths are, are probably things that you've been criticized for, especially as a child, right? Because you hadn't had a chance yet to develop those strengths. You didn't have a chance to recognize them and to celebrate them and to consciously work with them, right? This is another thing when I'm working with clients and you know, the dreaded interview question, tell me a strength and tell me a weakness. And everyone's like, why do I need to tell them a weakness? Well, let me give you a tip right here. This is a career tip from me. Your strength and your weaknesses are the exact same thing. And this is how you should respond to this in an interview question. Hopefully they're not asking this anymore because I feel like it's a way to trick people in an interview. But if it comes up, this is what you do. They say to you, what is your weakness? And I would respond with, you know, something that I've gotten feedback on quite a lot is that I over communicate. I'm that person that really wants to build relationships with people. And so you can often find me going around having conversations and I will seek out opportunities and devote myself more to tasks where I get to use my voice to share ideas, which means that it's harder for me to do tasky things. It's harder for me to be operationally uh, strong. And sometimes people will call me chatty. But I've gotten feedback on that. And this is how I try to work with it. You know, I seek out other opportunities. I try to do this outside of work. I try to be mindful. I set timers on my calendar. So that way, you know, I, I manage my networking. So when you respond to this in an interview, you want to talk about how this is actually something that I'm very good at. But when I'm not paying attention to it, this is feedback that I've gotten. And so this is how I'm working on working with it more consciously, right? This is how I'm taking my strength out of the basement and I'm putting it up onto the balcony. But I want to reiterate, these are things that you experienced as a child. These are things that you knew you loved or you felt passionate about. But again, you probably were criticized for as a child and that wounded you. And so when we talk about inner child work and healing our inner child, I think a lot of this can be done through a strengths lens, which is why I'm super, super excited to be offering this service. Now, to be clear, I am offering this as a pilot because it's something that I've wanted to do for a really long time. And I do feel very prepared and competent and able to work through this with clients. However, I'm testing out the structure. I'm setting them up as uh, an hour and a half 
to two hour readings because going into the natal chart alone will take some time and I do want to honor the actual strengths portion of it but I never just want to talk about it with clients this is my earth sign nature I do want to be able to send my client away with actionable items and tasks and additional development goals which is why I set it for about that hour and a half to two hour mark but I'm not sure yet how long it needs to be I'm really looking for feedback as I pilot this I'm going to be offering um, a pretty significant discount on this offering, uh, but you can only book with me if you are part of the Corporate Coven email list. So if you are not yet a part of the Corporate Coven email list, you need to find me on Instagram or TikTok. My handle is the same on both, that which from work, no weird underscores or dots or anything like that just all one text that which from work and you can click the link in my bio and sign up to be part of my emailing list this is the only way that you're going to get that booking link to test this out for yourself so this is the end of my first episode i need to leave the closet but thank you so much for tuning in i would love to get any feedback that you have again look for my link to be on my mailing list if this is something that's exciting to you and you want to be part of the pilot program um, at that discounted rate. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Corporate Coven podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained valuable insights into the world of personal and professional alchemy. If you want to stay updated on the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and turn on notifications. I'd also love to connect with you on social media, and you can visit my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com to find other ways to connect and work with me. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, so please let me know in the comments on this episode what you're interested in. Until next time, keep working your magic and casting spells of success in your career and life.